Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. like that the second hour is here on this tuesday edition hot my with hunting with row across the outkick network john mcclain joins us in 20 minutes the top headlines is week one is upon us across the nfl recapping week one across college football uh, still to come jim Nagy is the executive director of the reese's senior bowl he'll join us weekly on tuesdays to give us the scouting report from the previous weekend of all of the top games uh, he had scouts for the senior bowl at 18 different games across the country this weekend he gets those reports in as a general manager would in the nfl assesses those and that's how they determine over the course of a full season who they want to participate going into the nfl draft well he'll read through those and give us the, the top takeaways plus the game he was uh, scouting this this past week i'm looking forward to that plus kurt schilling joins us in an hour Always a great conversation uh, with one of the best on the mound. Chad, we saw one of the best storylines that we'll see all season play out in Fort Worth against TCU as Deion Sanders and his Colorado Buffaloes go on the road and not just hang tough and look okay. They looked like the better team. They look like the, the shining star. They look like a team that's going to be on more than just two nationally televised games as the season progresses. And that was, the, for me, the biggest surprise. This was supposed to be the blowout for TCU. Nine returning starters on defense. The secondary that should be able to keep up with whatever Colorado was trying to install. No, not a, not a chance. This is no fluke. And while we start to look around the college football landscape, one thing for me is certain. Deion Sanders is college football's biggest star right now. It's not Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly. It's not Dabo or uh, across the country, uh, Lincoln Riley. It's Deion Sanders. And I think by and large, no one really cared. And I say no one. The fan bases, uh, the coaches. Saban's doing commercials with Deion while he's at the HBCU at Jackson State. Then he goes to Colorado, and I think many thought, well, he'll eventually be the Florida State coach. He'll eventually go to the ACC or the SEC or the Big Ten, but he's in the Pac-12. Well, now they're headed to the Big 12, and I think the perception is, oh, it's Colorado, it's Dion. They're going to get to that six-win plateau. He'll bounce around. They're no threat, and I'm here to tell you, they're a threat. Not only is the biggest star, He's about to become the biggest villain because coaches, the top paid coaches, are going to say his name and complain about what's going on. Tampering, poaching, portal. Dion's leaning into it. He's going to brag about it. He's not just going to hide it. He's going to wave the flag for it. And he's going to have other players do it for him. Travis Etienne in the NFL is talking about his brother at Florida who needs to go to Colorado. Travis Hunter, who is 
college football's version of Otani doing it all. At halftime, primetime is giving a Heisman campaign speech for the guy. Shadur Sanders looks like a Power 5 QB. You want to be the next one? Either transfer here whenever he leaves, or we're going to beat out a top program for the top quarterback in the country. It all goes back to Deion Sanders' primetime and the brand. And when the brand overlaps with the top brands, because while he has been a top brand, he hasn't overlapped with the others, posing no threat, it's about to become one. It's about to be a storm in the sea because he's going to have a ripple effect across the Power Five and specifically the Power Five programs of Alabama, of Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson. You want to come play and you know not have the pressure of losing, but actually come here and have fun and produce? We're here for you. Come to Colorado. We're going to the Big 12, and we're putting on a show. You'll be on national TV. We're going to have a reality show for you. We'll lean into your social brands. I'll wear a shirt that's got your social brand on it. I'll do a halftime interview where I'm going to drop your name every game. Primetime's doing that. And now all the other coaches are going to have to keep up. Hutton, everything you just said to describe Deion Sanders is accurate. And it also could be used as the opposite to describe Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Yes. And my big take of the day. Clemson, as a college football power, is done. It's over. It's not happening again under Dabo Sweeney. The game has passed him by. Now, he has been the most vocal about not liking NIL, about not liking aspects of the transfer portal and where the game is heading. Dabo Sweeney is like you seeing your dad still in the club at 3 (laughs) a.m. and how awkward that would be. The club is popping. Deion Sanders has got bottle service over on the side. Uh, Josh Heupel's over here DJing. Uh, Nick Saban, hey, he looks like the cool old dad over there but behind the bar mixing drinks. Club's popping. College football's fine. College football's humming along. Offense still looks good. Guys are getting paid now. I watch games all weekend. I don't feel like guys were dogging it. I felt like players were playing hard. It looked a lot like college football of every other year, except for Clemson. And I watch Clemson, and I see a team that even when they hire the brother of a great offensive mind, Garrett Riley, still remains to be seen just how good little brother is in Garrett Riley. But he was the Broyles Award winner last year at TCU, did great things there. They seem a step behind. Dabo Sweeney, all of his success, and I give him full marks for the success he's had at Clemson, seems like he's lost a step. Seems like the game has passed him by. Seems like making an order that if you commit verbally to Clemson and say you can't take any other visits is a bit outdated and is not going to work in today's NIL landscape where guys can go and start taking bids from different NIL organizations or schools. Even though it's against the rules, we know it's happening. We know that's part of the prospectus you're given at every major university that shows what guys are making, what they have made, and what that player can make. Dabo Sweeney's not interested in that. He's not interested in tapping into the transfer portal more than he needs to. He's not interested in anything that's going on in college football. And he's not going to change. A big part of Dabo Sweeney's success was always his lieutenants. Brent Venables, Brandon Streeter for a time, Tony Elliott, guys who he trusted on staff, many of whom had been with the program for years or played there 
that he knew could get the job done. And they believed in his culture and his system and everything that he was about. That's not the case anymore. There's new coaches on staff. There's new ideas in college football. And Dabo Sweeney is not adjusting. Evolve or die. Clemson is a dying program. Maybe they'll get back to eight-win level, nine-win level, and be there consistently. They can certainly do that in the ACC. But Clemson as a national power, one that we look at and we circle in the top five every year, they're done as long as Dabo Sweeney's the coach. And he's not going anywhere anytime soon unless he decides this, this type of college football is not for him and he wants to retire. Well, the, where are they in the recruiting ranks? You know, we, we mentioned that for Billy Napier, for instance, at Florida. Uh, last week, the, the rankings have them third right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and going to the, the portal, instead of leaning in the portal, he's going to lean young. He's going to stay in the high school realm. And that's where loyalty is thrown out the window once you're a bench warmer. You know, once you're not the starter, uh, the next offseason, you enter the portal. But that's where Clemson is dominated, and they get, they get the guys who... They're 13th nationally. Okay, you're, you're, you're verbally committed. You're not going on any more visits. Yep. But now, what's flipped... I don't know if Clemson's gotten worse. I just think it's easier to compete with them in the ACC based on the portal that they're not leaning into. They're, they're still, I think they're still doing what they're doing. They're just not doing it better because other teams now can get better overnight, literally. And we're seeing that not just from, you know, what, from, from Clemson's perspective and what we saw from Duke, uh, but Chad, the, the gauntlet that must be uh, met whenever you're actually competing for a college football playoff spot. You know, that yeah. when you're competing against the Big Ten and the SEC, and oh, by the way, you're one of the two, you and Florida State, that want a larger slice of the pie in order to compete. You have to be willing to compete in all lanes, all branches of the tree, not just one big one where Dabo has been great. You have to be able to do everything. And the other schools are willing to do that. The other coaches, while apprehensive and against it, they're willing to do it, and they're figuring out a way to dominate, even though... They haven't been used to it, you know, and, and, and yeah. here's Davo still trying to, to push that off to the side. Allie in the YouTube chat says it's not a sustainable plan for Dion or Dabo. It might work for this season and maybe the next, but once you're recruiting against everyone else, instead of for yourself, you've lost the plot. Um, I think there's probably some truth to that. I mean, you're not going to be able to completely revamp your roster every year through the transfer portal. And I don't think Dion's going to want to do that every year. He's not going to need as many. No, the, the best programs are the perfect mix of both. Sometimes the ratio is, is it different or out of whack depending on the program. You know, Ole Miss is well, going to take more transfers than most other programs in the SEC. That's what, they, that's what they want to do. That's part of how they're going to recruit. Most solid programs would like to get most of their roster in high school recruiting and build them up and keep them there. I, but the, the one thing that makes Dion different, Lane Kiffin can go to Colorado and try to recruit and flip a roster in the portal. Kiffin's not bringing 53 players with him. And Sanders did that. Florida State sent their entire coaching staff to Travis Hunter's game in high school, recruiting him all in. And... Dion didn't show up to any of those. And Hunter was with him the whole way, no matter, no matter where he goes. Uh, Joe Rex wrote a columnist at, uh, at The Athletic, Chad. 
made the point. Dion could go to Alaska, and Travis Hunter would go with him. Yeah, he would have followed him anywhere. And if Hunter's willing to do that, and he's doing what he's doing, which is the Otani way, doing everything, who wouldn't just follow in, the, in that lane if you're trying to get to that version of the hype and the, the celebrity? That, that's what you're doing. You're, you're putting yourself on a pedestal immediately. And you have a coach that's going to back you up and brag about it. Yeah. So a lot of people are angry with me in the YouTube chat right now on my, my Clemson take, saying that me saying Dabo is done is too extreme. Let me be clear. They're done as a national power. And I'm talking right. about the elite of the elite. I'm talking every year we are looking at Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. Now Michigan is in that group. We're looking at USC as long as Lincoln Riley is going to be there. Uh, LSU will probably be around there with Brian Kelly at some point also. I'm saying Clemson is removed from that group of six or seven programs. And they've been there for 10 years. Again, they've had – this has been their renaissance period. This has been their oh, imperial Bama, stage. Yeah. So they've been in that group of not just you know six or seven, two or three, or three or four for years now. They're done in, in that. I, I feel strongly that they're out of that mix for good now. Can they win eight or nine games a year? Yeah, they can be a good program. That was what Clemson was hoping for for years and years. Uh, when when you know Tommy Bowden is coaching at Clemson, yeah. Tigers fans were thrilled with eight wins. I think you're going back to that now. They're just out of the, the – he, he is not going to play the game the same way as the top dogs in college football are playing it right now. He said too much. He's become too much of a punchline nationally because of the things that he said about the sport and where it's headed, he's done as a national power. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's getting fired. I don't think he's done in coaching. I'm saying Dabo Sweeney coaching Clemson as a national power is over. They're not a national power anymore. Yeah, and, and by the way... Uh, you're, and, I, and I'll back that up. You're saying that with a 14 playoff. When the expansion happens, based on their record and... I mean, they're losing to Duke here. I, I, we, I'm still trying not to overreact to one game. But the, the Clemson that is only discussed with one other team is done. Clemson and Alabama, and that was it in this era. The Trevor Lawrence era. Yeah. That's not, that's not where Clemson is now, and it's not where they're headed. Nope. And it's, it's Clemson as a college football playoff contender in a 12-team playoff. It's not one of the two that have a chance to win a national title before the season kicks off. His big play and I'm talking about Dabo Sweeney, was to fire Brandon Schreeder, who had been with the program for years and years and who played receiver for him, and hire Garrett Riley. That was an abject disaster in game one with Garrett Riley as play caller. Will, will his guys rally around him? I don't know. I saw a video of Cade Klubnick not giving him a five on the sideline <laughs> yeah. when he came out of the game. That doesn't look good. And Dabo Sweeney's back there yelling at him, saying something to him as he passes. That's your five-star quarterback doing that. In game one, in week one on Labor Day night. That's not good. I wouldn't want to talk to my coach either. That's not good. Clubnick wasn't good. Can they repair it after one game? Sure, but to what level? To me, not to a national championship level. So they're done as a national college football power. They've got to recalibrate. And that... Well, they need to reset their expectations. Well, well, recalibrate would be just use the portal. Use the portal. And... He can't do that because if you use the portal in high school, meaning you just go on another visit 
you're not considered Clemson material. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Uh, Chad, another story out of uh, Georgia, according to the AJC, uh, staff member uh, Jar- Jarvis Jones arrested for reckless driving on Friday night. Um, driving 20 miles per hour over the speed limit and uh, booked $2,400 bond. Uh, was released uh, before midnight. It was like 1130 at night. And this is just, uh, uh, Jones is a, currently the, the player connection coordinator. He's a staff member, staffer at Georgia underneath Kirby Smart. Uh, this is uh, this is the routine now with the reckless driving, the speeding, and the the issues within the court system now with did, the citations and more. Did he have a curfew that he was trying to get, get to or something? I mean, what? I, I, odd. Yeah. And, and the Friday night before their game. Their opening game at eleven thirty, weird. Just like to drive fast in Athens. Not good, Georgia. Fourteen Not good. different uh, citations or arrests uh, since the tragic death of, of Devin Willock and Chandler Lacroix. NFL Week One discussion next with John Lacroix. Fun college football weekend, and just like that, it is NFL Week 1. Coming up in a couple of days, Thursday night football is the kickoff. Defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. John McClain joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. NFL columnist who's covered the league for five decades. SportsRadio610.com is where you can get all of his great work. John, always great to see you, and here's to another season. How are you? I'm not so well, thank you. Okay. And I would dispute that it was a fun college weekend because I went to Baylor and Baylor played the most embarrassing game I've seen them play going back to when I was eight years old and a Cub Scout in 1960 and went to my first game, favored 26 and a half at home over Texas State. And they got creamed and uh, they were just terrible. Now they play at home against Utah and beat Florida, as you guys know. So it's going to be ugly with a capital U, and I'll be watching the Longhorns and Crimson Tide and the Aggies playing uh, my at Miami. And, of course, we're all going to be watching Colorado play Nebraska in Boulder. And uh, I'm fired up about the NFL. Every year I feel like I'm a new kid going to school on the first weekend of the season. John, how fired up is everyone in Waco about that contract for Dave Aranda that was signed after that successful year two <laughs> years ago? Uh, well, everybody getting a little bit nervous about him right now, or is everybody still optimistic? I don't know if it's come to that. I mean, they did win the Big 12. They beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. And one thing they haven't done is get with NIL program like a lot of schools have. They better. Now they've lost their quarterback for two or three weeks, so it looks bad. And – uh Everybody's talking about the University of Texas and Alabama. And uh, here, of course, Colorado hammering TCU was a big deal, as it was all over the country. And I'm wondering just how bad is TCU going to be this season? Their defense is horrendous. I saw an athletic where Colorado's pass catchers, meaning receivers, running backs, tight ends, had 273 yards after the catch. I've never seen anything like that. Yep. Yeah. Incredible performance by Colorado, uh, Dion, and the, the players and the playmakers that he has uh, on that roster. 
John, uh, Kansas City, the Chiefs on Thursday night may be without one of their top playmakers. Travis Kelsey hyperextended a knee in practice and could be unavailable for this game. It's a Chiefs team that didn't do much in, in, in regards to the wide receiver depth of this, of this group. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But this is also... The, uh, the NFL put Detroit in this game for a reason. The Lions have been the talked-about group with the way they finished last year and how they should build upon momentum in the offseason that they've had. What do you make of Thursday night's matchup with this uh, little wrinkle added into it? Not to mention Miz, Miz and Chris Jones, our best right. defensive player, who's involved in all that. Uh, I think this, we've seen visitors upset the defending champions on Thursday before. I'm not saying it's going to be Detroit. I like Dan Campbell, even though he went to Texas A&M, and I think he's done a tremendous job. Wouldn't surprise me if they go in there and win. I will be surprised if Travis Kelsey doesn't play. You know, how many times has he missed a game? He always answers the bell. But you can take just about anybody out of that offense other than Patrick Mahomes, and, and but not Travis Kelsey. Those two guys go together like bacon and eggs. And I know Andy Reid's a great play caller, but I'm sure uh, that uh, there's a lot of people, if they find out Kelsey is out, going to start putting money on the Lions. And, John, how nervous should Kansas City be about this Chris Jones holdout? they got to be real nervous about it, Chad. Like it's been going on forever. And he's saying, well, I can afford the million-dollar fines. You know, if he ends up setting out, you don't see guys set out and miss an entire season very often. Trent Williams is the only one I've seen can come back and still be great when he stayed out at Washington because he wanted to be traded because he hated Dan Snyder and the commanders, and he got his wish to the 49ers, and now he picked up where he left off at left tackle going to the Hall of Fame. But Jones is a defensive tackle. He had 15 sacks from his interior position. You can't replace him with anybody else. It seems to me there's just so much pressure that they can put on Patrick Mahomes to succeed without players like Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. They proved last year they go, uh, what'd they go, 15-2, and 14-3, I think. 14-3 and three last year without Tyreek Hill. But at some point, there's got to be a limit, doesn't it? You would think so, and this is always traditionally during this era been a Chiefs defense that improves as the season progresses, and it's been even recently the Chiefs have been off to slow starts, and then they, you know, pump up what we what they're known to do, and it's it's also rare that we see the franchises in this situation. Kansas City in a contract dispute where Andy Reid's telling reporters today there, there's no progress in regards to Chris Jones. And then Bosa with San Francisco. That's also unusual considering who's running the organizations and how they normally, for lack of a better way to describe it, get along with their superstars. Well, Bosa's been very quiet uh, holdout. Chris Jones has been not. He's weighed in a lot of it on social media. It's not like Jonathan Taylor's situation, which was the most ug- was the ugliest of the offseason and still is, even though he's out for at least four weeks on physically unable to perform. Something about Detroit, you know, they had a running back who scored 17 touchdowns, and he's in New Orleans, and they traded Swift. Now they've got Jameer Gibbs. There's more pressure on Gibbs than there is on B. John Robinson in Atlanta because they've already got a 1,000-yard 
rusher Tyler Algier, but Gibbs has got to produce big out of the back, backfield for the Lions because Jared Goff's quarterback don't have Jameson Williams. So they, even though they're a high-scoring offense led by Ben Johnson, who will be a head football coach in the NFL after this season, it's not like they have everything going for them that they had last year when their offense was so prolific. And because their defense over the first half was bad, it improved over the second half. It might not matter who Mahomes has. He's capable of putting points up on any defense. I have seen some people thought this would be low scoring. I don't. I think it's going to be high scoring. Do you trust Jared Goff to repeat just the stat lines that we saw last year? He didn't turn it over much, and he put up numbers in the red zone and in the end zone. A lot of that was good coaching, good play calling, very safe safe for him not to take a lot of chances. And uh, because he had that season, and, you know, he was almost an afterthought. Well, let's, we got to get rid of Jared Goff in this trade for Matthew Stafford. So they said, here, take him off our hands. And he played better than anybody thought. Now, a lot of the credit goes to Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. And so I think he can do it again. He ought to be confident. He's got to be confident in the way he played last year. He got he got a lot of positive pub for the first time since he went to the Super Bowl and played bad and made Sean McVay think, I need another quarterback. We're going to win a Super Bowl. And uh, so I think Goff handled everything with class, and I can't wait to see how the Lions come out. You know, they could win the division. They've won one playoff game since the 50s. Then uh, Green Bay, if Jordan Love plays the way they think he could, they do it. They can do it as well. A lot of people are writing off Minnesota after going 13-4 and four last year. Kirk Cousins last year of his contract, I think it's a three-way race, and then the Bears are a distant fourth. John, let's go 30 seconds rapid fire on some games, and then we'll end with your Super Bowl prediction that you normally uh, just crush out of the ballpark oh. here. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh is hosting San Francisco. A, a lot of praise for the preseason from what we've seen from Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and others. Uh, and Tomlin's never had a losing season. Are you buying into the hype of Pickett in year two, and what do you make of the matchup potentially without Nick Bosa against San Francisco? And, and Brock Purdy re re returns now. Such a tough division. Uh, they could finish last. They could finish third. I'm picking, I'm picking uh, the Browns to finish last, but they're going to have a winning record. And I'm not picking against the Steelers at home, so I'm going with Pittsburgh in this game. The Bears open at home against the Green Bay Packers. The team owner, Aaron Rodgers, now plays for the New York Jets. Jordan Love takes over against Justin Fields. Who do you have? I feel happy for the rest of the NFC North after going against Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers all those years. Everybody wants to pick Justin Fields and the Bears. Uh, they've been owned by the Packers, so hey, why not? I'm going with the Bears. Herbert gets the contract. Tua is back from all of the concussion issues, playing for a contract extension. Week one in the AFC, who do you lean towards? I'm going with Miami because the Dolphins were great last year when Tua was healthy. They had the most prolific offense. I haven't seen anything makes me think any different. Uh, the Chargers have got a lot to prove after the way they choked in the playoffs against Jacksonville. Give me Miami. And that would be a storyline from L.A. too, Chad, because that would mean Tua is back. Herbert was trying to score and couldn't score enough because the defense sucks yet again right out of the chute for the Chargers. 
Well, speaking of storylines, how about New York City storylines or maybe New Jersey storylines on Sunday night and Monday night this week, John? Cowboys at Giants, Sunday night football. Who do you like in this one? I'm going with the Cowboys. They play every game against the Giants, every first game. Number one biggest TV draw against the number one TV market because they want the ratings to start high, and they always do. I'm going with the Cowboys. I love the Ode to the Sopranos open with Robert Sala going from New York City to the Meadowlands, to, to Jersey, uh, to, the, to the stadium in this latest episode of Hard Knocks. Games are for real now, John. Bills at Jets, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers' debut as a New York Jet. What do you think happens? I watch every episode of Hard Knocks. I bought in last year on the Lions. Been wrong a lot of years. I'm buying in this year. It was the Aaron Rodgers show. They made Aaron Rodgers look so good, so great. What a guy. How can you pick against such a great guy like Rodgers? Are you buying into everybody that they like that they rely on just takes it up a notch because Rodgers is there? Is it not? I'm not even talking uh, Wilson and Gardner, but more so just the role players. Does everyone play better because Rodgers puts them in that spot? Basically, does the O line at least be become adequate for the Jets? Adequate would be, I, I think, the ceiling because okay. they got problems up front. But he can get rid of the ball quick. We've seen him do it a lot of times, but his line's not as good as he had. But I'm still taking the Jets in this game. Crazy we haven't talked about Buffalo more this offseason. It, it really, it really, the only storyline was Allen and Diggs having Feels some Feels like they're in a really good spot because no one's talking about them too. Lamar Jackson returns as the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens after getting the payday. They are in, or excuse me, they're hosting Houston. And C.J. Stroud makes his debut, John. The uh, Ravens will blow out the Texans in this game. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, Saints and Titans. Succinct to the point. I, I liked it. Hard to describe the Titans offseason. They're they're planning for the future, also trying to win now. The Saints bring in Derek Carr, and they return a defense that was really good a year ago. Passive rebuild. Yeah. Saints have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Of course, they're playing in their division, NFC South and the AFC South. I think uh, they're going to win this game, but I think the Titans ultimately are going to put a lot of heat on the Jaguars to win the division. Eagles at Patriots. I'm going with the Eagles. I've seen people pick the Patriots to win that division, and I'm thinking, what have you been smoking? <laughs> and then I see they're picking Miami to finish last, all because of Bill O'Brien is going in there, and I'm thinking, wow, it could happen, but I'll only believe it when I see it. So I'm not picking the Patriots, I can tell you that. They got problems. One more game for you, then we'll look at your, uh, your postseason outlook. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are visiting the Denver Broncos. Are we going to see a different Russell Wilson with Sean Payton? Boy, I don't want to pick the Raiders. I want Sean Payton to lose, but they're home. He's a good coach. He was a great coach in New Orleans when he had a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's got another one. So if he doesn't turn it around, you know, a lot of people are going to go, hmm, maybe it was more Drew Brees than it was Sean Payton, but I'm going with the Broncos. All right, John, let's look into your crystal ball for the postseason. Uh, look ahead to January and the long road that is the NFL year. Who is playing in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl and why? I wanted to be, I wanted to be different. And uh, so my Super Bowl winner, everybody will admit, is a really good team but not going to win its division. I disagree. 
my Super Bowl champion is the Super Bowl loser of the 49ers. Nobody's repeated since the Patriots after the 02 season. No Super Bowl loser other than New England has gone back since the Steelers in the 90s. So that means I can't pick Kansas City and Philadelphia. So I'm going with San Francisco and Baltimore and the Ravens win the Super Bowl. Means Lamar's healthy. Rematch of the Super Bowl where the lights went out in New Orleans, Baltimore and San Francisco, the, the Harbaugh Bowl back in the day. I was there and remember it was a conspiracy oh, because yeah. they wanted the 49ers and Harbaugh to lose. John McClain, catch up sports radio 610.com. John, thank you as always. Here's to week one. We'll catch up next week. We'll have a lot to react to. I look forward to it, guys. Thank you very much. Baltimore over San Francisco, McLean says. I like the Ravens. There's some coaches that are off to some rough starts, NFL and college. We'll discuss those next. Hot Mike with Hutton with Russ. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We're back, baby. That's right. It's been a rough few days without us. We all know it, but we're back. What's your favorite game that you're just locked into? Over the weekend? Yeah. Hmm. I, I think just because of like the car crash elements to it, of how much I watched the Clemson-Duke game, mm. I thought the atmosphere was pretty cool at Duke. Uh, but watching that was was interesting. Um, I watched quite a bit, for whatever reason, of Drew Aller and Penn State on he Saturday night mention. also. Yeah. Of games I was locked into, you know, I wasn't watching. Um, I was at the Tennessee-Virginia game here in Nashville, so I'm having to watch scores and highlights and just get score updates of Colorado and TCU. Um, I'm not watching a lot of the upset. Well, I'll, I'll give you a sneaky underrated game that I watched quite a bit of was Illinois having to kick the field goal late to beat Toledo was a really good, compelling fourth quarter. Kelly in Vegas was also all over that one. Um, Chad, for me, she'll be back with us this week. I I was of course in Tuscaloosa watching uh, Bama and middle Tennessee, but also was locked in to see what we would see of Joe Milton in, in Tennessee against Virginia can't really determine one way or the other, honestly. I did. I, I do think we can describe both quarterbacks in the same way after week one. There's still a lot to be determined. Yeah. Um, and facing opponents that if they played each other, those, their two opponents, it would be a tight ball game. That's how bad Virginia looked. Yeah. I, Virginia's pretty good defensively. At least they were a year ago, and they got a lot of guys back, but their top pass rusher was out. Offensively, they're, they're bad. Uh, I thought Tennessee's defense was really improved and looked a lot better and faster, yeah. even against a bad defense or a bad offense. I thought they looked great. That was the most encouraging thing. I think we're also looking at Joe Milton's day a lot different if Ramel Keaton catches that 70-yard bomb that would have been a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, on Perfectly, oh. I mean, put in his lap, 65, 70 yards down the field. But overall, I thought he did what we needed to do. You know, No, no turnovers, no interceptions. Got the ball out of his hand pretty quickly. Um, so encouraging, but yeah, no real definitive verdict on what he's going to be this year either. Chad, Jonathan Gannon is the new head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. And may God have mercy on his soul, first and foremost, with that <laughs> roster. But also, like, just knowing whenever he was first hired and he was meeting some of the team and just some of the awkward video and, and uh, audio moments there, uh, he, he's not done. Here, here is Jonathan Gannon 
uh, with a, a, an, an awkward motivational speech. Welcome back. Who drove over here? Quick, let me see your hands. Who took the bus? Did you have fire in your gut? Did you? We're here for a reason. Don't get that twisted, okay? We're here for a reason to win games. So if you didn't have that fire in your gut, you better light the fire pretty fast. <laughs> There's Jonathan Gannon just reading off a script is what it looks like. Uh, th and that's also the, the, the that's from Hutton, the Arizona you, Cardinals. Did you drive over here or did you take I, a bus? I drove. Did you I have drove. fire in your gut you when know you what? headed I, over here today? I did because we were, we were recapping the We weekend. have flames all around us on set, so you better have fire in the, your gut. The... The funniest thing for that, for that with me is the music does not fit the speech. No, you know, where <laughs> it's I mean, the, it's how, the how music, about Jonathan it Gannon? Like Russell Crowe and Gladiator should be speaking, and not yes. Gannon. With that how music. about Jonathan Gannon use some fire and emotion in a in a motivational speech? And and the players then looking back at him like strikes well, me on, as the man. type of guy that like you would hire him if you were face to face uh, across a table from him, interviewing him across a desk. And he would say things very smartly and maybe convince you to hire him if you don't watch him in front of an entire team. If he's hired as a head coach, I feel like there's no video footage of him or they didn't ever see him interact in front of a huge group. And just call plays? Yeah, my, he might be totally fine talking football well, with you one-on-one, -on -one, but when you see him address a team, it, watching Hard Knocks and all these type of documents, you get the sense that, man, these guys – you see how they're leaders, and they, they get in front of the team, and they're different. Well, they're the, louder. They're more assertive. But what's different for w him? Watching Urban Meyer even address the team you know, on, on Swamp Kings. And then watching that, I'm thinking, did anyone ever vet this guy and watch him actually speak to a position group or speak to a group of men? Well, you can watch him do that, and he's probably doing that well whenever he has the, 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 the head game coach. Plan? No, well, the head coach that's setting the tone and the theme. He doesn't have to be that guy because he's not that guy. He just has to follow whatever the tone and theme is of the organization and of the coach. And now he, and now it's on him with Joshua Dobbs as their quarterback or Clayton Toon. Joshua Dobbs, who was here in Nashville watching Tennessee play on Saturday on the, on the sideline, was up on the Jumbotron. But he had some fire in his belly. Yeah, he better have some fire in his belly or he won't be starting for that Arizona Cardinals team, <laughs> that great NFL team. I've been surprised before. I'm going to be real shocked if this all works oh, out. I, I mentioned this has a chance to be a real for Nathaniel Hackett-type year. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, it, and it, it, it may be of no fault of his own with that roster. That, um, exactly. I just don't see what I've seen out of him mixed with their desire to lose a lot and get the number one pick and number two pick. I don't know that he's going to be the guy to direct next year's number one and number two pick if it happens that way for the Cardinals. You think Brian Kelly or Dabo Sweeney directs their team after the loss better moving forward because we we've seen both both programs rebound from a bad loss LSU did it quite a bit last year Clemson has had two or three losses in a season and we're not used to that either um, I think both are you know pretty good in their post game from from yesterday or over the weekend where Brian Kelly's like yeah uh we were manhandled you know that they, they they were much better, better than we were, and I'm shocked by that. And then meanwhile, Dabble's like, I haven't seen us play like this or have a moment or moments of just not just uncertainty since being here. I've never had a game like we just had against Duke. 
So the self-reflection and admitting that self-awareness uh, is telling because that will also reflect into the locker room. Yeah, Dabo called it the weirdest game he's ever been a part of. Uh, said that he's had his butt kicked before, but that was the weirdest game uh, I've ever been a part of. And, and yeah, it was. It was a crazy game. Four four trips inside the twenty and seven points. Two fumbles inside the ten. Didn't score and goal didn't to punt go. in the second half. Missed missed a couple field goals also. So yeah, a weird bad night for Clemson. I think both are going to rally the troops fine. I think Dabo's guys are going to continue to play hard for him. It's it's one game. They're not going to quit or anything like that. Clemson probably has a better chance uh, to have the better season because their schedule isn't quite as difficult yeah. as LSU's in the SEC West. But um, I, I think Hutton, what we saw a year ago even with Brian Kelly rallying the troops after a rough start to the season, I think both teams are going to be fine in terms of staying together and playing hard for their coaches. I just – I don't know how you watch either one of those teams and get overly excited about oh, their chances to be national players this year. Well, both quarterbacks leave a lot to be desired in the and first performance. And both looked a little, especially yeah. Klubnik, deer in the headlights yeah. in big moments. I, I was a very – I'm very concerned with Cade Klubnik moving forward, having watched him in that offense with Garrett Riley just through one game. Chad, uh, should we be concerned about the, the Chiefs matchup on Thursday? I'm, I'm not overly concerned yet, but it is – Tuesday, we're two, day, two days away from game day, and on the final media availability prior to game day, Andy Reid is discussing Travis Kelsey, hyperextending his knee in practice today, which makes his availability uncertain. We'll, we'll get the final uh, the report for the injury status. Uh, Detroit's flying in tomorrow to KC for the season opener on Thursday. The Lions have been all the rage after the way they finished last year. And Kansas City, everything goes through Arrowhead. You know, they're raising another flag, another banner for a, a Super Bowl championship. They have uh, options, but not great options. But they have Patrick Mahomes. Defensively, it's routinely been a team that gets better on defense from an, a, a, an offense that carries them to some victories in the first half of the season. Again, my perception is that. Uh, and it will be that going into the year without Chris Jones at defensive tackle if he's unavailable and they can't get a contract going, which Reed also admitted today is there's been no progress in that area. They need Kelsey, but there have also been games. We've seen them in person uh, and, and throughout the, the tenure of Mahomes where Kelsey's been knocked out of the game and they have picked up the pace, but they don't have Tyreek Hill there now. They're asking more from Sky Moore. And it's not like they did what everyone thought they would do this offseason and go get DeAndre Hopkins right. or go after the next receiver that's available. They've kind of just been status quo, and they're okay with that. Yeah, I think Davey was telling us that the, the point spread's affected by a half point to one point, depending on Kelsey's availability in this game. I, this is strange to say with the defending world champion in this game. I'm way more interested in seeing Detroit in this game than I am KC with or without Travis Kelsey. I want to see Jameer Gibbs, who I think has a solid chance to be NFL Rookie of the Year uh, offensively, the way they're going to utilize him. That was so, sort of a strange pick in that moment, but you know they have a clear vision for how Gibbs is going to be used as a runner and a pass catcher in that offense as a speedster. I'm, I'm way more we, – we know Kansas City, I feel like. We kind of know what we're going to get with them, and the expectations are high, and they should be. 
and the goal for KC is to win another Super Bowl, I'm just very much intrigued with watching Detroit play this team and what they're going to look like this year and see if they take that next step. Yeah, and it, I can't wait. They also have David Montgomery in the backfield too yeah. with Gibbs. Um, Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup. He is uh, in Minnesota or was in Minnesota yesterday seeing a specialist uh, to figure out the hamstring issue that, that's going on. I've so, never heard of a hamstring specialist. It's rare you Maybe, hear about like, like soft tissue injury type specialist. Well, I guess that's what this guy is. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, but it's, uh, it's everywhere. But yeah, you, it's rare you hear about that. So he's, he's day-to-day. Usually someone sees a specialist for a joint. Um, yeah. And, and here we... Here we sit going into week one, and it's always been a mess with the Rams since they had to, to pay up after giving rid of all those picks uh, to move around and get certain players to go win a title. They certainly won't be giving up the title, but they'll be giving up some wins uh, without Cup, and they're probably doing that with him in the roster as well. Speaking of soft tissue injuries, Joe Burrow coming back from one with a calf injury. Do yeah. we expect him to be 100%? In their opener against Cleveland, I that's I don't a know huge if, question mark. I don't know if he's 100%, but keep in mind, that's what Dr. David Chow told us about coming back from this calf issue. You have to be 100% or you risk injuring the calf again. So they need to make sure that he's good to go instead of just playing hurt, even though he may, he may not consider himself injured, just hurt. They don't need to press the pedal down to the floor here until he's 100% with, with the calf. Zach Taylor did say, though, he's progressing, uh, it's encouraging, and he's still day-to-day as they go into the matchup uh, against Cleveland. And Jerry Jones saying Jerry Jones things, telling uh, the press, Mike McCarthy didn't even know ahead of time about the trade for Trey Lance. We just They just informed the staff whenever they needed to know about new personnel that was coming in. He said, uh, I can make that trade in five minutes. The Trey Lance acquisition for a fourth-round pick. He said this on his radio show, right? His weekly radio show. If I am a Cowboys fan, how do you not listen to this show every week? This is the best player, coach, executive show that happens every week. So much news comes out of this show all the time because Jerry Jones just says whatever the heck he wants. He is the owner of the team. He runs the team. He makes the calls, and he will go on that show and say exactly what he thinks. Uh, it's great entertainment. I love how you said, oh, trades like this at five minutes. I can get this thing done in five minutes. He's like, I didn't have to I ask you. But- I didn't want to hang up the phone with them. I want to get the thing done. So I get this thing done in five minutes. Yeah, he's like, hey, uh, my point is we just wanted to get it done. And he says, hey, uh, I, I didn't have to send it around, meaning who, who thinks Trey Lance is good or not. I can make this trade in my sleep. And, I mean, he's the owner. He's also the GM, but he's the owner. He can. Mike McCarthy, keep, keep in mind. Five minutes. I can get this thing done keep in, five in mind, Mike McCarthy, it, patience. The last couple of coaches, Jerry Jones has had some patience. Dan Quinn stayed to be the defensive coordinator yet again in Dallas. Yeah. That is an option if things go awry early. And they always look to Jerry to pull the trigger and be the first to fire their coach because it's Jerry Jones and he's shown patience. He's not getting any younger. And he's got a ton of money invested in some stars that it's time to put up. McCarthy's got the playbook now. If he doesn't put up, maybe Dan Quinn takes over as interim. Just saying, keep an eye on it. Kurt Schilling joins us next. And then listen to what Sean Payton had to say about Russell Wilson. That's later. That's later.